Welcome to Radio Rheumatology, another podcast with information, facts and advice. Brought to you by Rosalind Kirk and Jeanette Cameron, both clinical nurse specialists in rheumatology based here at Frimley Park Hospital. Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Rheumatology. Today we'll be discussing one of my favourite subjects in rheumatology, osteoporosis. I'm Rosaline. And I'm Jeanette. It's one of my favourite conditions to treat as a rheumatology nurse because it's an area where we can really make a difference. Treating patients at risk of rigidity fractures involves preventative measures such as education and medications to prevent disability, pain and to keep our patients strong and independent. Fragility fractures are fractures, or breaks in the bone, that result from mechanical falls that would not ordinarily result in fracture. These are known as low-level or low-energy trauma, such as a fall from a standing height or less. Osteoporosis leads to nearly 9 million fractures annually worldwide, and over 300,000 patients are treated with fragility fractures in hospitals in the UK each year. These statistics are staggering, and I wish there was more awareness on the subject. This podcast aims to do just that. This episode is aimed at people with the diagnosis of osteoporosis or have concerns about their risk of having a fracture. It may also be helpful to people who would like to get a better understanding of the condition. So we will explore what we mean by the term osteoporosis, including how it's diagnosed and who is at risk, Uh, the importance of fracture prevention and optimising vitamin D and calcium levels and also where to get um, further support. Um, Medications we use to treat osteoporosis will be covered in future episodes. So what do we mean by the term osteoporosis? How is it diagnosed and who is at risk? I'll get the sciencey bit done first. Osteoporosis simply means porous bones. The medical definition of osteoporosis is, and I'll have to take a breath, a disease characterised by low bone mass and structural deterioration of bone tissue with a consequent increase in bone fragility and susceptibility to fracture. Well done, Rose. That's a bit of a mouthful, so let's break it up a little bit. Bone mass simply refers to the amount of bone tissue in the skeleton. You might also hear the term bone density, which refers to the mineral density of bones. In osteoporosis, a person's bone mass is low compared with that of an average person with a healthy skeleton. Microstructural deterioration of the bone tissue occurs due to depletion of calcium and this results in an imbalance of bone remodelling, which is a process that occurs throughout a person's life. This means that the rate of bone reabsorption is higher than the rate of bone formation. And this causes fragility in the bones, meaning a marked increase in fracture risk. To explore this a little bit further, it might be useful to take a quick look at bone mass throughout the lifespan. The actual size and structure of a person's skeleton is determined largely by genetic factors. But there are lifestyle factors that can influence skeletal development too, both positively and negatively. Our bone mass develops very rapidly during childhood and into early adulthood. During these years, especially adolescents, a good diet and plenty of exercise are absolutely crucial in bone mass development, especially weight-bearing exercise like football, racket sports, trampolining and jogging. 
lack of exercise and poor diet in, in childhood and adolescence can have a huge influence on whether we reach our full bone mass potential. So our first job really is to try and encourage our children to enjoy sports and exercise on a regular basis and to eat a healthy, nutrient-rich diet, including plenty of calcium. Regular exposure to sunlight for short periods is important in obtaining peak skeletal growth as most of our vitamin D is made in the skin when it is exposed to the sun. Jeanette will delve a little bit deeper into calcium and vitamin D later on in the episode. So by our mid-twenties, bones have reached their maximum strength and density. After the menopause, our bone mass declines rapidly. That's in women, obviously. Um, it's estimated that on average, women lose up to 10% of their bone mass in the first five years after menopause. Men usually have a higher peak bone mass to start with than women and bone loss occurs much more gradually and probably starts in the fifth decade. It's worth noting that although osteoporosis is much more common in women, men can have osteoporosis too and those at risk should be assessed and treated to reduce the risk of fracture. So on to the diagnosis of osteoporosis and I'll hand over to Jeanette. Thanks. So often called the silent disease, osteoporosis usually progresses without symptoms until it is diagnosed following a fracture. Healthcare professionals such as a GP or secondary care specialist have a duty to recognise people who may be at risk of osteoporosis or fragility fractures. This includes all women aged 65 years and over and all men aged 75 years and over. Women aged under 65 years and men aged under 75 years in presence of risk factors, for example, um, such as having a previous fragility fracture, uh, a current or frequent re uh, recent use of glutocorticoids, um, i.e. steroids. This also includes those with a history of falls, a family history of hip fractures, um, a low body mass index, uh, smokers and people who have an in alcohol intake of more than 14 units per week for men and women. There are other secondary um, causes of osteoporosis such as rheumatoid arthritis um, but there are too many to mention in this podcast. We do not routinely assess fracture risk in people aged under 50 years unless they have a major risk factor. If your doctor or other clinician suspects you have osteoporosis, they can work out your future risk of breaking a bone using an online program such as FRAX or Q-Fracture. They may also refer you for a bone density scan or DEXA scan to measure your bone strength. It's a painless procedure that uses low energy x-ray and it generally takes about 10 to 20 minutes depending on the part of the body being scanned. Your bone density can then be compared to that of a healthy young adult. The difference is calculated as a standard deviation or an SD and is called a T-score. So the T-score is interpreted as below minus 1 and minus 2.5 standard deviations shows bone loss and is defined as osteopenia. But below minus 2.5 shows bone loss and is defined as osteoporosis. Essentially, the greater the negative number, the more severe the osteoporosis. A number of minus 3.0, for example, would be severe osteoporosis. So what next? 
Once it has been established that you have a diagnosis of osteoporosis or that you are classified as high risk, your doctor or other clinician will discuss strategies to reduce your risk of having a fracture. This may be vitamin supplementation, lifestyle advice or medication. I'm going to hand over to Jeanette for further information on vitamin D and calcium and why this is so important for bone health. Thanks, Rose. As she said, I'm going to briefly discuss calcium and vitamin D um, and why they're important, especially in relation to osteoporosis. Your bones are made up of protein fibres but need calcium and other minerals to create a hard structure. Um, From around our mid-30s, our bones naturally start to lose calcium. So a bone-friendly diet and lifestyle at any age can help strengthen your bones, but also help reduce the rate of age-related bone loss. Vitamin D is important as it helps with the absorption of calcium into your bones, Um, so therefore a low vitamin D can increase your risk of osteoporosis. You can get vitamin D either through sunlight, food or supplements. And the current advice is that you consider taking a supplement of 400 international units, which is the equivalent of 10 micrograms, once a day. But if your levels are significantly low, you may be prescribed a high-dose supplement with blood test monitoring. Don't take more than 400 units unless recommended by your doctor or nurse. It's difficult to get... um, all the food, uh, all the vitamin D you need from food alone, but um, some foods containing a, a decent amount of vitamin D include oily fish, um, fortified breads and cereals. Eggs is also another good source. You can get a, a reasonable amount from cod liver oil, but please don't take that if you're pregnant. Um, sunlight um, is a good source of vitamin D. Is how we get most of it, but not in direct sunlight in the middle of the day. It is recommended 10 minutes, once or twice a day, without sunscreen. Um, But please be aware to protect your skin from sunlight at other times. A balanced diet, including at least five items of fruit and vegetables, especially greens, is needed to make sure you get all the vitamins and minerals to optimise your bone health. Try to eat two portions of protein a day, for example, fish, um, meat, dairy products, pulses, for example, lentils or soya or tofu, etc. Beans and seeds and nuts, although containing calcium, are not a strong option as they contain oxalates, um, which reduce the amount of calcium absorbed. And ideally, we're looking at you having 700 to 1,000 milligrams of calcium in your diet. Um, But with certain conditions, um, the need for calcium can be higher. In osteoporosis, you need uh, at least 1,000 milligrams of calcium. Oestrogen helps your body utilise calcium for your bone health. So if you are postmenopausal, you need 1,200 milligrams of calcium and a diet rich in oestrogens, such as soya, could also help reduce the risk of osteoporosis after the menopause. If you are a patient of the rheumatology department at Frimley Park Hospital, we are happy to send you out calcium and vitamin D food fact sheets to give you the information you need on how much calcium or vitamin D can be found in different foods. Thanks, Jeanette. So I'm going to go on to some advice so what can you do to care for your bones 
One of the best things to do is to lead an active lifestyle. A sedentary lifestyle reduces the constant forces that bones need in order to continue its normal process of remodelling, which is why exercise, including weight-bearing, is very important. A healthy, balanced diet, including sufficient calcium, should go hand-in-hand with staying active, as it helps you feel good and provides fuel and energy to help with exercise. If this feels like a big ask, consider small goals that are realistic and achievable. If you need some motivation and guidance, the NHS website Better Health is a great place to start. It has lots of useful and practical tools to help with getting active and eating well. You should also ensure adequate vitamin D and supplement if necessary. Another way to significantly reduce your risk of fracture is to stop smoking. Smoking has a harmful effect on bone health as well as your overall health. Smoking has been shown to harm bone tissue. This is because certain chemicals in cigarettes can affect the way your body can use and store calcium. You should watch your alcohol levels in line with government advice, and I'm very sorry to sound like the fun police. There are many safe and effective medications that have been approved for reducing the risk of fragility fractures, and these will be covered in further episodes of Radio Rheumatology coming very soon. To conclude... Fractures are really bad news for society and for the individual. We should all be aware of the risks and take active steps to reduce the risks of being affected by osteoporosis. We've talked about bone health and how bone mass develops over time and how inadequate environmental factors can inhibit potential peak bone health and result with an increased fracture risk in later life. Diagnosis involves clinicians in primary and secondary care being alert to risk factors and formally assessing the risk um, of breaking a bone. Diagnosis is clinically confirmed using a bone density scan to measure bone strength. We have also discussed lifestyle measures to optimise skeletal health. We hope that you have found it useful. For further information, you can access um, the Royal Osteoporosis Society um, online, uh, NHS website, nice guidelines for osteoporosis or your GP. Thank you once again to our friends at Radio Frimley Park, especially Malcolm for helping us to record radio rheumatology. That was another podcast from Radio Rheumatology with information, facts and advice. Keep your ears peeled for the next one. Mm-hmm.